Well, good morning, New Spring Church. If you're glad to be alive, come on, just put your hands together on every single campus. It's so good to see you all. Uh, for those who don't know, my name's Dan Leanne, one of the teaching team here, and I am pumped. Uh, I am so pumped. Uh, they had to sit me down uh, on a chair. Uh, no, not, not really. Uh, I, I hurt my uh, knee a couple of weeks ago, and uh, just between knee soreness and general old age, uh, this is a kind of a health decision right now, but I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm so excited about today and what God is up to. Uh, I might just, you know, jump out of my chair, start throwing this table around, and uh, uh, who knows where, where we're going to end up. Uh, we hope and pray that uh, if you're relatively new to our New Spring family, that you just feel so loved, you feel so seen, uh, you feel so heard, uh, you feel so accepted. Uh, New Spring Church is a church that exists to see everyone everywhere, come on, in an everyday relationship with Jesus, and doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, what you've been through. God has got great things in store for you, for your future, and we would love to cheer you on into all of it. Um, we are in the midst of a series uh, called Sermon on the Mount, and this series is all about a king establishing his kingdom through his people. If you've been around church for a while, you may have heard some teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's the longest unbroken piece of Jesus' teaching in all of the Bible, but you've got to understand this whole teaching is just Jesus, the king, trying to establish a kingdom through us, his people. And like any kingdom, like any territory, like any nation, there are rights and responsibilities, there are realities and roles for the people within that kingdom or that nation, and Jesus in this sermon is trying to explain that to all of us. Uh, I know for me and my family, uh, we're in the process of trying to become American citizens. We love America, and we're trying to be like Americans forever, and, but you've got to understand that there are some rights and responsibilities, roles and realities connected to becoming an American. Uh, we're learning all about the rights of an American. You know, the right to free speech, the right to choose a religion, the right to assemble, the right to bear arms, the right to eat buffalo chicken dip, breakfast, lunch, and dinner on a game day. There are rights that y'all have that we wanna have, so we're trying to understand what it means to be a citizen. There are also responsibilities. There are responsibilities of an American citizen, the responsibility to uphold the Constitution, to obey laws, to pay tax. They make me do that one already. Uh, the, the, the responsibility to defend the nation. There are rights and responsibilities connected to every kingdom and every nation. That includes the kingdom of God, and he wants us as his people charged with the job to extend his kingdom to understand fully what it means to bear the rights and have the responsibilities of a bringer of this kingdom. That's what he's doing all the way through his sermon. So he starts off and he talks about like the blessings in this kingdom, light and salt, and then Jesus in his teaching takes a turn. And over the last couple of weeks specifically, uh, we've, we, we've talked about Jesus speaking specifically about the law. Six aspects of the law that had everyone basically like kind of just thinking, wow, this Jesus guy is blowing some stuff up. 
You see, Jesus, over the last couple of um, uh, weeks, as we've talked about, talks about uh, aspects of the law like murder and adultery and keeping your word and an eye for an eye and a love for your enemies. And he does it in such a way to make it abundantly clear that there is something very special, distinct, and different about this kingdom. And at the end of this teaching about these six aspects of the law, Jesus makes a statement that blows everyone's mind. It confused the original listeners, and I'm not going to lie to you, it confounded me for a couple of weeks as I reflected on this text. And that's the scripture we're looking at today. So if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. Uh, If you have a a, a Bible app, you can open that up. If you have the New Spring app, you can open that up. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We've installed like giant iPads on the walls in every single campus, and you can have a look for yourself at these words that Jesus spoke. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he makes this statement about his kingdom. He's speaking to his people. Be therefore perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be therefore perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, Jesus, you you seem like a cool guy. Uh, We've heard some stories about you. You're healing the sick, and you're you're feeding the hungry, and you're you're kind of shaking up the system. So, okay, Jesus, we'll, we'll give you a day of our lives to listen to you about what it means to be a part of your kingdom. We know there's something powerful about you, authoritative about you, loving about you. So, Jesus, talk to us about being a part of this thing you're doing in the earth. And so he teaches about the law and how we've tried to keep the law, but don't quite understand the fullness of the law. And then he makes this statement, be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I could have imagined like many of y'all in this room right now going, what is Jesus talking about? Like, 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 is he in a bad mood? Is he, did he notice a bunch of middle school kids in the corner cutting up so he kind of like threw a dart in their direction? Why was Jesus so seemingly harsh in this statement? What was he trying to say when he said, be therefore perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? What, what has that got to do with the kingdom of God, a king establishing a kingdom through his people? Well, I want you to write down four things which Jesus was basically saying when he made this statement, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Don't do what I have done throughout the years and read that verse and seen it as too hard to understand and just move on. I promise you there is something life-giving, there is something freeing, there's something transforming, there's something encouraging in the words of Jesus if you will do the work to understand what he's saying. So here's the question. What is he saying when he says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect? Well, this is what he's saying. Be, therefore, perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's saying what he's saying. And we can try to reason away or or, or soften his words, 
But if you study this in the original language, Jesus was trying to make a statement that no one could wriggle out of. He was saying very clearly, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, bringing light, bringing life, showing love, making a difference, if you want to be a part of this kingdom and experience all of the rights, the realities, and the responsibilities of being a part of the kingdom of God, you have to be perfect because your heavenly father is perfect. What's he doing here? He's making it clear. The requirement for anyone who wants to be a part of the kingdom of God. And the requirement to relate to a perfect God is perfection. So that's what he's saying, and it's spoken all the way through the Bible. You'll see it time and time again repeated in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Leviticus. You'll see it numerous times in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2. It says, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because the Lord your God is holy. Jesus is saying that the requirement for us to enter into the kingdom of God is perfection. This passes through uh, into the new covenant, as you'll see in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. We have to be holy because God is holy. So the standard required for all of us, say all of us, for all of us is perfection. Why? Because God is perfect. We have to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. We have to have a righteousness. Why? Because God is the definition of righteousness. This is the standard. Uh, Tomorrow at 11 a.m., the Leans are going to drive down to the so the USCIS, which is the, basically the Immigration and Citizenship Service, and we got to go to another meeting. We're doing meetings after meetings. Hey, just get a side note. Can you guys, guys, just, you guys are so blessed to be American, you know what I'm saying? The hoops that we got to jump through, the miles that we got to travel, the dollars that we got to spend, kind of trying to be a part of this great country. We've got to go down there, and we've got to bring more documentation. I've got to kind of look, you know, I've got to look kind of not sketchy or shady, uh, but, but it's, it's difficult because I'm nervous, and sometimes my nervous kind of like manifest as sketchiness and shadiness. So I'm stressed out right now, you know what I'm saying? There's a requirement for me to enter into this nation and to become a citizen. The requirement for all of us, say all of us, it doesn't matter if we were brought up in church. It doesn't matter if we never darkened the doorway of a church growing up. It doesn't matter if we kept the rules. It doesn't matter if we spent our lives becoming an expert in breaking the rules. The standard required to have a relationship with God and to come into this kingdom is perfection. Why? Because God is perfect. So here's the second thing he's saying. Okay, the standard is perfection, but here's the deal. You can't do it. (laughs) When Jesus was making this statement, hey, you need to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, he was trying to, in one fell swoop, blow up this mentality that says that somehow you can be perfect in your own strength. That's what he's doing when he's teaching on these six laws. He's basically saying, hey, you all have tried to keep this law your entire life, and you thought you were doing a good job, but just as you thought you were doing a good job, I'm trying to let you know you still fall short. You you thought murder was this, but murder is really this. Hey, you thought adultery was this? No, adultery is really this. Hey, you thought keeping your word was this? No, keeping your word is really this. He's trying to show how the law can only point you towards the fact that you need someone who is bigger and stronger than the law, come on, to make you perfect. So what's he saying through this really confusing verse? He's first and foremost saying, here's the standard for all of us. Say all of us. 
Come on, all of us to come into the kingdom of God. It's, perf- it's perfection. And here's the, thing, the other thing he's saying. You can't do it. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. I'm not trying to be like Dan Downer over here. I'm just trying to let you know something you already know yourself. You can't do it in your own strength. Come on, religious practice doesn't make perfect. That's the reason the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. (laughs) I know that some of you all tried real hard, but you still fall short. I know that some of you all feel don't, You don't feel worthy of God's love or a relationship with him, but I'm here to let you know, you are exactly like me. We all fall short. So what's Jesus saying? We need to be perfect, but we can't. Your works, your effort, your religious strivings can only get you so far, and that's not far enough. In fact, Isaiah chapter 64 will declare that all of these works in comparison to God's righteousness and holiness and perfection are like filthy rags. Like throw away, like kind of just, you know, you, you kind of you scrub something down and it's so gross you can't kind of, you know, clean it again. You just got to throw it away. He's saying that's what our good works are like compared to the perfection of God. Now I'm looking around the room and seeing a lot of people smiling. You're kind of going, thank you, Dan. This is really, really cool. This is a really cool reminder of the gospel. And this is really, really cool to hear about, you know, the love of God and how much he's done. But I can see in your eyes, some of you guys are going, but Dan, I know this stuff. This is like kind of, you know, this is pretty elementary stuff because this works thing, you know what? I've got it down pat. You know what I'm saying? I know that on every single campus, there are some people who are thinking to themselves, I absolutely know that my relationship with God and me coming into the kingdom is through grace and by faith. I'm a big grace person, you know? There are some person, people going, you know what, I've heard this and I know it's not my works. I'm a big grace person. I went to Grace Bible Church in Belton growing up. I got three sisters, Anna Grace, Ella Grace, and Gracie Grace. I say grace before lunch and after lunch. I'm all about grace. I don't believe in works at all. But could I suggest to you that I know a lot of people know that in their heads, but still there's a little bit of work in their heart. And I, and I see it all the time as I try to shepherd and lead people here in the state of South Carolina, that even though we know theoretically and theologically it's not your work that gets you into heaven, it's not your work that brings you into relationship with God, a lot of us still kind of think that way. You know that, that kind of stinking thinking, it's kind of gone, but it's still kind of around. Does anyone know anyone like kind of at, at a gym that's got a little bit of like BO, a little bit of body odor, you know what I'm saying, where they're kind of not there anymore, but they're still kind of there, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I see that all the time as I try to shepherd people here in South Carolina. You know about grace theoretically, but your game plan is still works. How does that manifest itself? It manifests itself in the people who have some religious superiority. You kind of walk around with a little bit of pride about you and you feel kind of in front of other people because you know more Bible verses and your church attendance is a little bit more solid and that pride is actually the manifestation of, come on, a works mentality. Come on, it manifests itself in like kind of roller coaster Christianity. Do you know anyone like this? Are you like this? That you kind of, you know, it's always up and down with God and when you're doing good with him, you feel like cool to be around church and then you, you stumble and then you fall and then you gotta hide for a little bit and then that kind of the, the pain goes away a little bit so you come back to church and you enjoy it but then you slip up, you know what I'm saying? That up, down, down, up. 
that is, come on, a works mentality getting manifested. How about this one? The shame that some people walk around with. I know people who have been healed, forgiven, and set free years ago from mistakes from another life, but they still walk around like there's a dark cloud around them all the time. And as much as you pray with them, as much as you try to love them, as, you, as much as you try to remind them that when Jesus died, that was tetelestai, that was once and for all, they just don't believe it. And they're beautiful people, but their problem is this works mentality that hangs around like a bad smell. Come on, how many people in this room come on, need to get saved every single weekend? You know what I'm saying? You come along to church and you're just waiting for the preacher to make the call because you've got to get shaved. You know what I'm saying? And I've got no problem with people recommitting their heart to Jesus, coming back to him face to face time and time again. But if you think that his love is here today and then gone tomorrow and then back again the week after, this is the smell, come on, of that works mentality. Come on. Someone needs to crack a window and let that smell clear and be reminded afresh and anew that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and none of us can work our way into the kingdom of God. So what's Jesus saying when he said, be therefore perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? He's saying, perfection is the standard, but you can't meet it. (laughs) But here's the good news, write this one down. Even though you can't, Jesus can And he does. Come on, I'm gonna say that again for a believer in the room. Just to remind you, you can't be perfect, but Jesus can make you perfect through the finished work of the cross. He's the one who does the work. And if you're grateful for that, come on, just give him a praise for a couple of seconds in every single room. Come on, the greatest gift you will ever receive is righteousness that comes from Jesus. Holiness that comes from him. Perfection that comes from the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes us qualified for the kingdom of God. Come on, smile. That's really good news. That that means that no matter what you came in with this morning, what burden you bear, no matter how dark the night, no matter how deep the hole you find yourself in, I'm here to let you know that you have a good God who does everything required through his one and only son to make you not only qualified for the kingdom of God, but to make you someone who experiences the rights, the responsibilities, and the full realities of this glorious kingdom. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter four and verse six. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. He's talking about we're the kinds of people who now have righteousness credited to our account, and it's got nothing to do with our work. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Get your mind around that. All of the junk, all of the muck, all of the mess, all of the scars, all of the stain, all of the shame, everything that we've carried around for way too long was put on Jesus. He loved us so much, he would take that to the cross But here's the beautiful exchange. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. The theological term for this is imputed righteousness or justification. This beautiful picture 
that everyone has to have sketched in the imagination of their mind, tattooed on their heart. That even though perfection is the requirement and even though none of us could reach that standard by ourselves, Jesus steps into time and space to stand on your behalf. Come on, smile, that's good news. He comes in perfectly righteous so that he could give us that righteousness so that we could be made right with Father God. I experienced this last night. I got a buddy of mine, he said, hey, there's a football game on. It's a, little, it's a little late, and you got some work to do in the morning, but you know what? I've got some tickets for you. I said, hey, you got some free tickets? i got the time, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm kind of hanging around, and like, I don't want to kind of bring it up because he kind of offered the tickets, but he didn't give me the tickets yet. So I'm kind of like hanging around, and I'm hoping that I'm not going to get to the gate and have the fight, you know what I'm saying? So I'm hanging around. I kind of, hey, buddy, like you kind of mentioned this ticket situation, and I was expecting for him to pull out a couple of paper tickets out of his pocket and give them to me because that's the kind of ticket I've seen before, you know, with the stub and everything. But he said, no, 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 just give me your email. email. So, okay, so I gave him my email, and then he, this is some witchcraft, people, he sends me the tickets. Like, what kind of voodoo is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, now it's in my phone. And I was like, wow, so I'm here, and now I've got these tickets in my phone, and I'm going to the front. I'm not, I'm going to lie to you. I'm still a little bit nervous because I'm like kind of not used to these kind of electronic tickets kind of act. You know what I'm saying? It's like, is someone out there kind of watching me down here? Like, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but I go there and then I bleep it and then I get in. And I'm walking through. I'm kind of feeling like I'm going to get tackled as I'm walking because this doesn't feel kind of right because I'm used to this paper kind of situation. And I'm walking through and I couldn't help but think to myself, how cool was that? Couldn't get in, but then I had it transferred to me. And now I have entry and all the goodness on the other side. You've got to understand, you can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't rectify every single mistake you've made and then win your own approval from God. Come on, you only get Jesus Christ who says to you, don't give me your email. Give me your life and your junk, come on, and your mess, come on, and your weight, come on, and your pain, come on, and your shame, come on, and that dark moment, come on, give me that, that, that segment of your story, come on, give me that chapter you're not proud of, just give it to me and let me transfer to you, come on, righteousness that makes you right with Father God forevermore, come on, if you're, gra- if you're grateful for that, just praise him in the room. Hey, come on, in a couple of minutes time, we're gonna have a time to respond. I'm going to challenge you, if you have a friendship with Jesus and it came through the righteousness that he gave you, apart from your works, in a few moments' time, we're going to respond with communion, okay? And that's what communion is. It's just basically the bread and the juice that reminds us of, come on, what he did to make you right with Father in heaven. I'm excited about that. Side note, if there are some people watching right now who are going, you know what, Dan? This is really cool, but I don't have a relationship with God. I got a little bit of religion. I, I've been to church a few times, but I definitely don't have a friendship with Father God in heaven. At the end of this gathering, we're gonna have some response time in every single room. And there's a cross in every single room. And I'm gonna ask you lovingly just to slip out of your seat and connect with Father God at that cross. There might be a, a volunteer or a ministry team member down there who might be able to pray with you. 
But if you have not received this free gift of eternal life that comes through, come on, the finished work of Jesus, if you have not received, come on, that transfer of your sin to him and his righteousness to you, come on, I want you to respond and come on down to the cross in every single campus. Are we ready for that? It's gonna be so cool in a couple of minutes' time. So what is this verse saying? The verse is saying, number one, you gotta be perfect. Say perfect. Everyone needs to be perfect to get into the kingdom of God, but we have a problem. We can't. Our good works and compared to God's righteousness are like filthy rags, but fear not, here's the good news. He can and he did. He gives us his righteousness. He transfers to us his perfection. And thirdly and fourthly and lastly, I want you to write this one down. And now we are transformed through this relationship. We are transformed through this relationship. The reason this is an important point is because some people then will ask the question, okay, cool, I like it. It's really cool. I've, I've read Matthew chapter five, verse 48 before, and it's confused me, this whole thing about perfection. <laughs> I've kind of skipped it before. I've overlooked it before. But, but it's really cool to be reminded that Jesus is talking about what it means to become a citizen of the kingdom of God <laughs> and how we can't, but he can. But you're asking this question. Okay, so what? Where to from here? Because... Does that mean that my life doesn't change? That now I'm perfect and I can just walk around and just telling, tell people that, you know what, I, I'm Mr. Perfect? There, there are some wives in the room right now. I've already got a husband that says that all the time. You know what I'm saying? But like, like is, am I just the way I am now? I don't have to see any kind of change or transformation? Or for some people, you're going, you know what, but Dan, that's cool. I like it. How cool is that? That, that, that I'm made perfect through the finished work of Jesus on a cross, but, but Dan, there's some stuff I want to see change about my life. There's some, there's some addictions that I would love to see overcome. There are some, some demons I would love to see pushed back. There's some darkness I would love to see fade. There are some things that I would love to see different about my life. How do I see transformation? Well, that's what this scripture is trying to make really, really clear. Perfection is the standard. You can't do it, but Jesus can and he does. And when he does it, we now come into a family where we have a heavenly Father. Be therefore perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This beautiful work of imputed righteousness and justification brings us into a family. Come on, we gotta break this mentality that says that the gospel is about an angry God trying to recruit bad people so they do good. No, it's about a loving father bringing dead people back to life so they could sit at the table and be transformed by a relationship. And that's how lives are changed. That's how my life has been changed. Not by having a longer list of do's and don'ts, my life has been transformed, not by feeling like there's an angry guy in the sky with a lightning bolt in his hand, ready to take me out the moment I break his commands. No, my life is transformed when I know that I have a heavenly Father who watches me and He loves me and He's for me. And that relationship, come on, changes everything. Think about somebody that you love right now. Think about somebody who has loved you right now. And ask yourself this question, have you been changed by that love? Yes. 
The answer is yes. There is no way you can be deeply loved and not change. Well, multiply that by a bajillion and you start to see the transformational power of having a relationship with your heavenly father. Come on, representing the kingdom, exercising your rights in this kingdom, fulfilling your responsibilities within this, within this kingdom is less about you knowing the list of activity and trying harder and more about you believing deeper in your identity and then operating out of that space. You have a heavenly father who cheers you on every single step. Come on, smile. That's so good. If that doesn't make a Sunday chicken taste better at Cracker Barrel, I don't know what would. That God ain't frowning. He's smiling. And that's how we get sanctified. Justification brings us into the kingdom. An everyday relationship with Father God through the power of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit transforms our life. Come on, Father is smiling. I know what it's like to be a smiling father. Because <laughs> if you've ever met my kids, they're easier to smile at. <laughs> my son's so goofy. He's got, he's got it in his head. He wants to grow his flow out. You know, he's got like this... He's got this long mane of hair at the moment, and I just, I love that kid. He, you know, I don't know if the ponytail is his thing, but like, hey, he's 16 years old. He's just working stuff out, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, I, got, I got a little girl who is not little anymore, and she started college a couple of weeks back. And, and I've been reflecting on what it means to smile at my children and to cheer them on every single step. <laughs> I remember, it felt like yesterday when my little girl took her first steps. She got two, and then she fell over. <laughs> you know what I didn't yell when she fell over? You should have done three or four. Come on, let's write a plan. You know, I didn't do that. I'm like kind of, yes! And again, I fast forward 18 years. She's taking her first steps into, into college. I've got a picture of um, um, Caitlin on her, this, that's moving day. And I've got the sunglasses on because uh, my eyes aren't big to begin with, but they were super puffy that day and and, um, and that was, you know, move-in day. And there's a tradition at the college that she goes to that you take your first steps through the, through the arches and, and we videotape that as she kind of just took her first steps through there. You know what I didn't yell out? Hey, KJ, don't mess it up. <laughs> I didn't. Everything inside of me was cheering her on into every next step that seeing her transformed, come on, into the amazing woman of God, God destined her to be. And as we come to a time of response, I want you to feel that from heaven. In a few moments' time, we're all going to respond. And I say all. Oh. I say all like an Australian, all. Oh. Say all like an American, all. Oh. <laughs> we're all gonna respond in some way. You know why we're gonna respond? Because it's right. How many people hate it when you send someone a text and they just don't respond? Come on, let's be real. How many hate it when they send someone a text, they can see that it's been read? You know what I'm saying? Let's be real right now. Put your hand up. If you hate it when you see read, but they haven't responded yet. Come on. All right. Every single time 
God speaks to you on a Sunday morning, consider that a text message read. Now it's right to respond. So that's the reason we set up our time on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it's cool to kind of pray together and like finish off services in an encouraging way, but mostly it's because we have a good God who wants to cheer you on into a great week and he wants to come on complete a good work that he begins every single week. Yeah? So in a few moments' time, this is what we're going to do. We're going to respond to Father. Come on, a heavenly Father who cheers you on. But I want you to think about that. So if you're going to respond and you're saying, you know what, Dan, I don't have a relationship with God, but I want a relationship with God. Remember, that cross is not the symbol of an angry God who holds your sins against you. No, that's the symbol reminding us we have a holy God who held your sins against his son Jesus so that you could be made right with him. It's totally different. Come on, when all of us kind of get up, get up out of our seats and uh, we go to the communion table in every single campus, in fact, I just encourage all of our ministry teams to start moving right now, prayer teams, just to get into their positions in every single room. When you come to the communion table, this is not just a religious practice. <laughs> you know, it's not us just drinking some juice and having a little bit of a wafer for some good luck throughout the course of the week. This is us coming to the Father's table, being reminded afresh and anew, come on, how amazing this crazy gift was of perfection through his son, Jesus. Come on, when we respond, and you might just want to stay in your seat and worship God with your hands lifted, you aren't singing out into the darkness. You're singing to a heavenly Father who loves you, hears you, is smiling in your direction, come on, and is cheering you on. Come on, when you sow and you give and you tithe, hey, that's not just giving money to an angry God to appease his fire. No, it's us saying, hey, I trust you, God. You gave me everything in the first place. If this helps me build trust, hey, here is my first 10%. Come on. Come on, when we come together and we pray, it's not us just yelling into the darkness and hoping something happens. It's us presenting our requests to a loving Father who can move on our behalf. Specifically, I feel in my spirit that this week, on every single campus, there's someone who's looking for a physical healing. And if you're looking for a physical healing, I want you specifically to, if you're able, to slip out of your seats and to connect with one of our prayer volunteers. I'm going to be slipping down the side because I want this kind of knee thing to be sorted out because it's affecting my, my heavy squatting and I'm all about heavy squats, you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to encourage you to slip out of your seat and connect. Is that cool? Okay. So we're all responding. Say all responding. Come on, everyone just stand to your feet and let me pray and then we're going to respond. Communion, the cross, prayer. I'm so grateful for what Jesus has done. Is anyone with me? Come on, if you're grateful for Jesus, just, just praise him. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, finish what you have begun. As we respond to you, may it bless your heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody.